0: This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Well, Steve, um, welcome back to KVMR.
1: I'm always happy to be here.
0: Steve, uh, even though we entered a new wet season, mm-hmm. I still think about the last dry season or several dry seasons. Do we ever really not have to be concerned with pending dry weather?
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good question, uh... Would you ask any farmer that very same question? (laughs) You know, farmers, they're used to changing conditions every year. And so what do they do? Well, they they adapt. It's just what they do all the time. So we really want to mimic how our farmers uh, view this sort of thing. It's burnt into their psyche. And some years, of course, are worse than others. And we've gone through some pretty tough years most recently. This this year has been pretty, pretty tough. Uh, A woman, June... uh, And Moua, uh, she's a farmer down in Central Valley, she's looking at this year as being very difficult because she could only water her kale and her bok choy every other day. That's just to keep things alive. That's how she had to deal with it this year. And she has accepted that some of her 10 acres, uh, which is the size of her uh, row crops, uh, her land there, Uh, It's turned into this crunchy stuff that's brown. So uh, you win some, you lose some, you do the very best you can. You adapt, you adapt, you adapt. Declining groundwater levels make it harder to pump water into her fields. That's what she's been up against. So uh, there is more support, you know, these days developing for our farmers in general. And this brings really hope to all that annual anxiety that a lot of the farmers in particular feel.
0: So, Steve, it seems like the engines are starting to roar. Oh, yeah. How are we moving this effort forward? Well, the
1: U.S. Department of Agriculture, they've now invested $21 million in a collaboration between the U.S. Department of Interior's Water Smart Program and the Natural Resources Conservation Services. Okay. They've they focus on farmers and ranchers. And the focus is on help them conserve their water, come up with ways of helping them conserve their water and also to build drought resiliency into their communities. California received about $1.1 million of this $21 million. So we are we're getting a lot of projects. Nationwide, we're talking about 46 projects are coming out of this money. So that's great. Building resiliency is a slow process. So it's only the tip of the iceberg of what's needed, but you know it's it they are starting to see these kinds of programs and things are moving forward. It's an opportunity for the farmers and ranchers. What can you say? I mean, this, this is good stuff.
0: I know when there are water issues, but also many times there are fire issues. Are there any new tools to help in dealing with fires?
1: Uh, Yeah, there is. Uh, There's a lot that's been learned about California wildfires lately. This year in particular, we our our people, our fire corps was extremely busy and, uh, a lot of data, as you can imagine, was collected along with our remedial actions that have been taking place, the mitigations. So there have been a lot of new insights into the dynamics that underlie the the probabilities of wildfires happening in California. And this is really, really important because if we know where the wildfires are likely to happen, then we can respond more proactively. And in the moment, even more effectively. So this becomes a really good new tool in the toolbox. Well, as it turns out, the UC Santa Barbara, uh, some of the researchers over there, they came up with some statistical approach that considers local climate variations, human activities, and even time since the previous fire. And they can look at things at a resolution or a scale of something like one kilometre that's really very, very good. So I I can see this having a positive impact on helping us improve our building codes, on helping us improve our emergency response, and even the notifications to to you and me, to our neighborhoods, when there is uh, circumstances developing that require our uh, special precautions to be made in our particular neighborhoods. So this is a very good tool that's being developed right now.
0: So, Steve, can we take some time off from our concern for water right now, or do we need to take some type of action?
1: Well, we can take a breath. I mean, it's raining outside. We can all take a breath, but we still, as we take that breath, we need to keep moving forward on, these, uh, on our efforts. Now, those of you out there with pipe water... Think permanent conservation practices. Don't get in your head that, oh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, gonna, it's a drought year. It's not a drought year, so I can use more water this year or next year or whatever. Don't think that way. We are permanently using having less water available. Just look at it like that. It's an anomaly in our in our annual seasons If if we have a good year. It will happen every so often that we will have a good year, but pretty much we have to live with less water. So for those on a pipe, I would suggest that groundwater is a little different. I I learned something this year. And one thing I learned is that this past year, uh, people had this perception that, ah, if my well goes dry, I'm going to use it till it goes dry. If it goes dry, no big deal. I'll just deepen it or, oh, I'll just drill another well if I have the money, (laughs) right? Well, that's not really feasible, and this year, we really started to see more of that because there just are not enough drillers to meet that demand. As, as, as it gets worse, and it, it will, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to hang on that as you're the way to solve the problem. You're better off taking steps that help avoid your well going dry. And what that means is that you need to know more about your well and your own uses and how that impacts your well. And I'd be happy to talk to people about that, if they should reach out to me.
0: Well, Steve, uh, what you just said, um, I had a personal experience with that. Um, after the big uh, the big uh, rain, I was having some concerns about my well, and deep in my mind, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really concerned I might have to dig a new well, and, and I was quite aware of what the waiting line is for that, and it would have been quite an experience to go through.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you shared that with me. I, I recall that. And for many of you, you, you may have experienced a similar circumstance, when we have our first big rain, the gusher that comes out. A lot of times, what happens in our wells is the. The water flowing into those previously uh empty fractures becomes fractured, and that water's turbulent it's just cranking and it's lifting out those finer materials and transporting those unfortunately into your your the hole that your borehole of your well and then your pump pumps that that what used to be clean water uh, into it pumps it out as a kind of a muddied water or a water with some sand in it but it's usually short lived if it happens it happens uh very significantly, and it might clog things up and be a bit of a pain, but then it will slowly go away. So uh, be patient with that if it happens, and consider raising your, your pump intake a little higher in your well so that you don't end up in that zone to get so muckety-muck.
0: Well, Steve, thanks for the advice. I appreciate it. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with our water guy, Steve Baker, on KVMR Radio.